0: Entertainment.
1: Dr. I, Dr. E. I love the way you say film
0: And you're very welcome To the film show I'm joined this week By just Dee Malumby just but, th- but that's all we need Dee Oh thank uh, you. <laughs> we're not, we're not, I don't really want to speak Of, of Brian Lloyd But uh, let's show that clip Of him awkwardly hugging Paul Rudd again
2: uh, Just to annoy him Unfortunately Due to the nature of this programme Being an audio version You're going to have to imagine The awkwardness of Brian Hugging Paul Rudd Needless to say it was most awkward indeed.
0: There we go. Always enjoy that clip. Always enjoy it. Uh, let's talk some movie news first this week, Dee. Mm-hmm. Um, Batman is in the news again. Batman yes. always seems to be in the news.
3: Yeah, yeah.
0: It's a strange old, uh turn of events for the past couple of years with mm-hmm. the DC Universe and how much money Wonder Woman and then Aquaman have made yep. where they tried to do that shared universe thing. Mm-hmm. Didn't quite work out for them. Justice League yep. wasn't great. None of them have been great. But I now- think
3: Justice League wasn't a kind of its least, um, you know, Financially successful. successful. Is, it's most exactly. expensive.
0: It's least financially successful, yeah.
3: and and, and
0: an, um, an absolute mess of a film as well. Yeah. So Affleck was like Ben Affleck was like, yeah, I'm not. That's yeah. he knocked that on the head. Yeah. So now,
3: although he took his time with it yeah. because for a while he was going to produce it and then he was going to direct it and then he was like, no, 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 I'm not involved with it and then he was like, I am going to be in it and now he said, no, he has pretty much nothing yeah. to do with it. So now he's knocked that nail on a head on but, the head, but it took about year or something before we knew he was out for good. I would have liked to see
0: him direct the Batman movie because I think he's an excellent director. Yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't seen his last movie.
3: Live by Night. Live by Night. I thought it was better than people were making it out to be. Really? Yeah. I thought it was decent, you know. But um, God love him. He's obviously having like a lot of you know, troubles going in and out of yeah, rehab and all yeah. that stuff. Like, maybe he should just leave the whole Batman thing alone. And I know he got he got so upset when Justice League wasn't doing well. Remember, like, that whole oh, yeah, Hello yeah. Darkness, that whole joke? But, like, it obviously, like, kind of took a toll on him. So, yeah, he should probably just leave that whole I, universe I, thing I alone. like Ben
0: Affleck. I yeah. really like him. He's been in yeah. a lot of movies I've really liked. And I, I rewatched The Accountant there recently, a few mm-hmm. mo- a couple of months back. Oh, great
3: movie. Excellent yeah.
0: movie, really underrated movie. Mm-hmm. And I know he's doing another movie with Gavin O'Connor. Yep. But anyway, Matt Reeves is now directing. Yes. Uh, Planet of the Apes director Matt Reeves is now directing a new mm-hmm. Batman movie The Batman, the Batman. Um, So they're in pre-production and on the, at the moment I think they're still finalising the script mm. So there's a lot of names been linked with playing Batman There always is It's kind of like James Bond Yeah Isn't it where all these names are just thrown out there Yeah The two names that stood out for me D. right and I want to know what you think of this are Robert Pattinson and Jack O'Connell mm. So both English actors Yeah uh, Robert Pattinson's kind of a Brian actually broke it down in in a piece he wrote on the site, mm-hmm. and it somewhat made sense. Yeah, but can you see Robert Pattinson? Playing the Dark Knight.
3: I mean, it's funny because Robert Pattinson, since like the Twilight movies, he has had something of a career resurgence. But it's been more in kind of the low budget and the more independent movies he d- he's done. I think that Good Time, especially, has been like a really good film. And if you haven't seen it, I think it's still on Netflix. Hard
0: to watch it's that. Like it he's, it's fantastic, yeah. but it's a tough to watch, isn't
3: it? I don't find it too tough because I I don't know when really I was sensitive. watching it, <laughs> but it I is. thought it was more kind of like a taught, thriller type we of love movie, that you word know? on we this show yeah taught. I mean it does have definitely like a dark ending yeah. and stuff. so I suppose it leaves you a bit haunted that way um, but it's sweet you know having that kind of you know fraternal relationship at the heart of it I think really yeah. kind of added to that that sibling film.
0: relationship just hooks at the heartstrings yeah from the start.
3: but I think that like a lot of people wouldn't have seen those kind of works so I still feel like Uh, for the majority of people going in to see a Batman movie starring Robert Pattinson, they're just going to see him as Edward Cullen But he he has distanced himself a little
0: bit. He has kind of backed away a little bit Mm. from choosing those type of movies. So the people that I think have seen the smaller movies, you know, Mm -hmm. realise this guy can act. He's actually quite a good actor. but everybody else is just going to be like, he hasn't been around for a few years.
3: But the thing is, the majority of people who are going to go see the Batman are probably the ones who would have only seen like the blockbuster type of movies, like the Harry Potter movies, like the Twilight movies and stuff, you know? So I think it'd be I think it would be kind of tough for him. But I do definitely agree with you in Jack O'Connell. I think that he would be terrific as the Batman.
0: Where has he been for the past couple of years? Has he been doing much?
3: He's been doing... Like, didn't he do Unbroken? And 70, 71, I think, was a bit longer ago. Um, but he, I'm just trying to think what was the last I can't remember him someone, anything, yeah. Any
0: kind of major release now could be wrong. Yeah. But I can't remember. Because he's one of those guys who had a lot of hype. Yeah. Like Angelina Jolie directed Unbroken, mm-hmm. and she was championing him a lot as yeah. well.
3: Well, he was fantastic in that film. Yeah, yeah I have seen it now. Um, it's it, I can see why it didn't do as well as it was hoping to. It is yeah. a bit like kind of cliched and over dramatic. Not stuff. a great director is she, Angelina Jolie? Now let's be honest. Well. Now, <laughs> a lot of
0: presence as an actress, but not a yes. great director. Let's yes. be
3: honest. But um, no, I think he's fantastic. Everything I see him in, and he's able to bring kind of the intensity of, yeah. that you need for Batman, really. Yeah. You know? that, so he's I a really he's interesting choice,
0: I think, if that happens.
3: Mm-hmm. Probably the right age as well, because I know that people have been like throwing in like John Hammond there as well. But it's not going to happen with John Hammond. He's too old.
0: He, he's 47, so I think he's yeah. 46, 47, so he's a year or two younger than Affleck mm-hmm. now. So, I mean, I think the whole point of this is with DC, with Matt Reeves and Warner Brothers, they're going to want a, a long run. Yeah. Uh, with whoever this person is. That's
3: just it, yeah. I mean, he's the perfect, um, oh my gosh, totally had a brain fart here. The alter ego of Batman Bruce Wayne. He's the perfect Bruce Wayne. Yeah. He is Bruce Wayne. Yeah. You know, but Batman, I don't
0: know. Yeah, yeah, yeah a lot of people said that. Um, I know, I think. Matt Reeves is an excellent director um, mm. depending on how the script goes in this, and they seem to be taking their time with it as well yeah. these seemed to have learned a lesson there too and as an aside Jake Gyllenhaal's Hall's name's thrown up every time there's one of these
3: there, he's, his name is just thrown in with everything it? because it's like he's such a fantastic actor and yeah. I do really think that he's one of the most underrated actors actually I'm working on an underrated actors oh, really? um, article on site can you give, so us, can you give us a preview who else you have give Jake Hall, I also have the fabulous Jessica Chastain oh, I love Jessica Chastain and you'll be happy about this as well, Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson steals every single movie he's in that show. That's amazing. Still think he should have beaten Sam Rockwell, and I know we both feel the same way about that for Three Billboards. I to say because I
0: saw I saw three billboards were all over the place here, but I saw three billboards in New York, and was, there was so much hype on it at the mm-hmm. time. It like you, it's going to be Oscars, and then obviously Sam Rockwell ended up winning as well. Yeah, but I, whenever Woody Harrelson wasn't on screen, that movie suffered.
3: I thought so too. Yeah. yeah, I have to agree with you there
0: for sure. 100%. Bang on. <laughs> it's all agreement this week because there's no Brian
2: Lloyd. Uh, I disagree.
0: You disagree. What do you disagree?
2: Because elaborate, please, producer Dave. I don't share the same opinion. Okay. Yeah, I thought Street Billboards is very good. And I didn't think it lasted anything by Harrison not being in the full film.
0: I didn't think it was bad by any means. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I just thought it was overrated. Yeah. And um, I think Sam Rockwell is incredible. I yeah. think he's given better performances. Um, and I thought the final twist at the end, not twist, but the... the and I've said this before in the previous mm. incarnations of the show. The journey that Sam Rockwell's character goes on is just in no way believable. Mm. It's just not. And then at the end of it, you're like, "What?" And a a big fan of uh, um, Mark McDonough. um, Loved in Bruges. I really like Seven Psychopaths. Psychopaths great. Yeah, it's great. But just it wasn't bad. Which is, I think, it's one of those when you have your expectations up to a certain height, it just doesn't quite work. Did you? Did you watch? You think Woody Harrelson in it?
2: I know, and I thought he was very good. But like, I I guess I didn't have expectations as high as you may have. Yeah. I I purposely. Avoid talk about most films so that when I do go into the cinema, I don't have any expectations.
0: That's a problem when you do this show, though, Dave.
2: Yeah, well, (laughs) I'm not a critic like ye that's true well I'm not a critic you are don't you get me absolutely started are.
0: he knows how to grind my gears that producer Dave does knows how to grind my gears and a, on a quick uh, on, a, on a quick piece of news uh, involving the DC Universe Margot Robbie's not going to be in Suicide Squad 2 it looks like
3: yeah which is a really weird one um, and as well apparently she's not going to be in the second instalment of basically they've set up this trilogy now uh, Birds of Prey being the first of this trilogy and she's headlining the movie and the whole idea is that her character has broken up from the jerk or she's on her own now and she starts to form this trilogy. Nah, she got rid of, got rid of him. Um, but now she's forming a kind of team of super heroines, superheroes. Yeah, she's
0: an anti-heroine, eu really, isn't she? Like,
3: yeah, uh, I suppose that's kind of what they're basically. They're setting up like an all-female Suicide Squad. <laughs> okay. Um, and Ewan McGregor is going to be the baddie, which I'm really yeah. excited to see because I think he's brilliant. Um, yeah, but apparently. Birds of Prey is going to be the first in this proposed trilogy, and then Gotham City Sirens is supposed to be the second, but apparently she's not in that. And that it's setting up some other alternate team, and that the third one is going to be a versus between the two, but Margot Robbie isn't going to be in the second. Now, this he- is all rumors. Yeah, they're going to so. ahead of themselves there, therapy, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, like. Not like okay. Yeah, exactly. And now they've kind of gotten rid of the Batman thing. Well, they haven't gotten rid of it, but, but it's they've not going to be part
0: of, of that universe. Exactly. Because it got very yeah. confusing there for a while.
3: Yeah, and they're still, like, working on a Batgirl. Now, the good thing is that the mo- there was going to be a movie following Harley Quinn and the Joker, which has apparently been totally abandoned. which is like, thank God. Because, did anyone really want to see
0: that? Do you know what I think happened there? I think Warner Brothers are seeing rushes from the Todd Phillips, Joaquin Phoenix version. Mm. And they're like, oh, this is good. We didn't think this was going to be good. Or as good. And they've made it for very little money and they think that's the joke now. Joaquin Mm. Phoenix is the joke now. Jared Leto can do one.
3: Yeah, well, I know that Birds of Prey is definitely getting a lot of hype around it. Margot Robbie, last month, she dropped this kind of like... 20 20 to 30 second like teaser which is basically just flashes of them all in character and it was kind of to mark um, the start of production so it's not like official footage from the movie or anything but it got like it got a lot of hype so i think that people are really excited yeah. to see the birds of prey movie but them like writing her character out of the next movie doesn't really make sense. It might be one of those that Wonder maybe
0: Brother. she's maybe warriors have been crossed and she she might be more of a cameo. She yeah. might turn up because it sounds like that character is too so intertwined with that universe, not to be in some way a part of it or to be mentioned exactly, or referenced. Yeah. Okay, okay, you did you did an interview for us this week, mm-hmm. uh, Joe Cornish, yes, who is uh, a guy, a director he's, director. he's directed two movies. Right, we're mm-hmm. going to talk about uh, The Boy Who Be King after we see your interview. He was, he's been attached, well not attached, but loosely kind of mentions for really big budget movies, but it yeah. just never quite happened.
3: Yeah, that's true. And I mean, in fairness, his um, credits as a writer are quite phenomenal. So he's worked with Edgar Wright quite a lot. And both of them would have worked on both the screenplay for Ant-Man and for uh, the Steven Spielberg directed The Adventures of Tintin. And yeah, like Ugh. you said... Yeah, That but trilogy I mean, that never happened. I know, but I mean, it's still a kind of big blockbuster True. and everything, yeah. you know, and it was a Steven Spielberg movie, you know, at the end of the day. So it was, you know, a big film in that regard. But um, yeah, so he's worked on some pretty like big projects. And like you said, yeah, his name has been associated with stuff. Not everything Star Trek and out. stuff, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But... Um, yeah, no, it's an interesting <laughs> nice guy. Good chat. He was very nice. Yeah, yeah. And actually, I did make. Well, I wouldn't say it was quite a mistake, but basically, I asked. You know, we love seeing his work with um, Edgar Wright, Simon Pegg, and Nick Frost. Now, I know they haven't done anything all together, but he has like, you know, worked on whether it's as a writing credit or um, he does some work as an actor as well. He's worked with the kind of three guys on separate occasions, and he was like, "Well, the only thing we've ever worked on all together was um, this kind of behind the scenes doc for uh, Hot Fuzz, and it was like really inappropriate." and the DVD release was almost like bumped up to an eighteenth rating because of the stuff <laughs> we produced. I was like mm, all but right but she's having
0: crack with her mates
3: uh, yeah exactly but um, he was saying that if they were to ever collaborate all together it would be all down to um, Edgar Wright so I was like well you put pressure on him to do that um, but yeah no it was lovely chats and he's a great guy and
1: yeah that's it well, I was definitely harking back to movies that I saw when I was growing up, where as a young film goer, I could see actors of my own age in mm-hmm. in movies. And, and these days, everything is um, for kids. Most of it tends to be animation or superhero movies. So I wanted to bring back that live action kids adventure movie. Um, and it's an idea I had when I was 12 years old. Wow. I was always thinking up ideas for movies and drawing posters and writing scripts and stuff. So, um, so, so, so the story itself is a wish fulfillment story about a young boy that finds the sword in the stone, but it's also a bit of a wish fulfillment story for its elderly director. Because it's a childhood idea I had that's um, kind of come true. Mm-hmm.
3: And the other thing about it is it's actually, um, it's the second feature that you've written and directed. And it's interesting that both of them have had child protagonists. So you haven't been put off working with a younger
1: cast yet, it would seem. No, no. The cast in Attack the Block were, were older. Most mm-hmm. of them were 16 and More over. teenagers. Yeah. yeah, And that's yeah. significant, actually, because you get much longer working hours. hmm if your actors are under 16, like most of the, you know, three of my cast were, Alex, Bedders, and Kay, then your hours are much more limited. Um, but no, I love working with young actors because they're so enthusiastic and passionate about being there and keen to do really well. Plus, they're used to being bossed around by, by grown-ups. <laughs> so I feel like a teacher at a school where the pupils really, really want to learn, you know?
0: Okay, so the movie is kind of an interesting one because we only really saw a trailer from this one a month or two ago. Yeah, and yeah. so there hasn't been much hype. But he's very highly regarded, mm-hmm. even though it, like Attack the Block, um, and and this one, but it has not done well at the box office. And mm. um, you you kind of give it a you reviewed it right? Yeah, so so, so review you I gave it.
3: it three out of five stars. The main thing I found with it is that it's very much a kids' film, and I find it kind of. Difficult to watch in that regards because I was like, oh, it's so kind of kiddish and stuff. I also found it a bit long. It's two hours. And there's a point in the movie where it's kind of like a fake end and you think, oh, it's all ended here. And then then they have a whole other act, which basically involves him kind of, you know, rallying his entire school and all of his classmates and everything for this like kind of final epic battle, which I'm sure like the kids had enjoyed, but I much preferred when it was just him and his kind of like smaller group of the Knights of the Round Table. It was just like these four kids kind of going around, going on an adventure, very kind of Harry Potter or the Goonies-esque or something. I thought it was much nicer then. And then when it got into kind of the big scale stuff, it kind of like lost its heart a bit. Is that the pitch?
0: Is it a pitch Is it a Harry Potter boy way to Goonies?
3: I think so, yeah. Now, when I was asking him about influences, he also mentioned E.T., which I thought was kind of interesting. So definitely... the
0: expectations here, yeah.
3: <laughs> and I mean, it's interesting that he's so influenced by Spielberg and that he actually got to work yeah. with Spielberg on Tintin. So that yeah. was kind of a nice connection. Um, I think it's like a really sweet movie for kids and that kids are going to enjoy it. There's something like kind of cute and retro about it you know like i said it is that adventure type movie and it's but it is made for kids and it is about kids so is it I based on know. a book or something no it's well it's basically like another take on the whole king arthur and knights of the round table okay thing, so
0: loosely, loosely exactly yeah. it's
3: basically a modern version of it with children it's yeah it's the pitch you know
0: it looks it sounds kind of sweet and it, i mean from what i seen, i haven't seen it but from what i'm yeah. kind of hearing about it and like in footage and stuff that i've seen it reminds me a little bit of Stardust which a Matthew Yvonne movie from a few years ago.
3: Yeah. Um,
0: oh God, God it must be from 10 years ago or so now, which didn't do very well when it came mm-hmm. out, but just seemed to have this love attached to it that yeah. people, had, well, certain people that sort of uh, kind of had this cool following. Mm-hmm. Um, but I could be completely wrong, because I haven't seen it. Producer Dave. You. I said to you there last week, I said, watch High Flying Bird because it's a sports movie and you know and you know your sports. Um, but more specifically, you, you know the NBA. You wouldn't, you'd have a fair idea about uh, basketball and stuff like that in the US. And you haven't quite gotten around to, haven't quite gotten around to watching it.
2: I haven't, no. Uh, I'm currently in the process of moving from one home to another and have no Wi-Fi or internet or TV. So it's proving difficult to watch <laughs> things. So I'm doing things like going outdoors, walking around, enjoying life. Walking
0: around is nice, you know? Yeah, Especially when you great. can do it with somebody. We're recording yeah. this on Valentine's
2: Day. Just don't walk around on your own at night time. That's weird. I feel you know? like, no, you, you can go for a walk on your own at night time. Can you? Yeah. Okay. I would.
3: You'd like listen to music or something. Yeah. I suppose. yeah. Yeah. That'd be nice.
0: Okay, you have seen High Flying Bird though. Yes. I have seen High Flying Bird. Um, they've had a somewhat legitimate excuse mm-hmm. uh, for not watching it. Okay, so this is Steven Soderbergh, who I think is... One of, the, one of the best filmmakers of his generation, mm-hmm. and he's somebody who is not afraid to take risks at all. F- first of all, and this isn't what you want the movie to be, you know, what, what you want this nucleus of the movie to be when you're talking about it, but it was shot on iPhones. Yeah. I think iPhone 8, or maybe a 7 actually, because it was a year and a half ago when he shot us, which is nuts. And it does not look like that at all. Yeah. Uh, it looks great. So it's a, Netflix- it's a Netflix-only release. Um, A a lot of it went over my head. and That's why I was asking Dave to have a look at it because he would know Mm. the NBA because it's almost passive. It's similar to the girlfriend experience where there's all this overlap and dialogue and you're
3: very much expected to pay attention. Um, you liked it, but you didn't love it. No, I didn't. I actually watched it with um, my boyfriend, Ivana, And I have to say, I wouldn't have understood this movie at all if it wasn't for him because he's a big NBA fan. So he was able to explain a lot of the references and the dialogue to me. Because there's
0: real life players and stuff doing exactly, to the camera yeah. too.
3: Now it's been getting like really good reviews, but I would say that all those really positive reviews are coming stateside, where like it's just natural that everybody knows the kind of ins and outs of the NBA because it's like, you know, so foregrounded in the media and everything. Yeah. But I really don't think this film is for audiences outside the US. I just don't think people would get it. Like I said, I would have been completely like, I wouldn't have known had a clue what was going on. Yeah. You know, if it hadn't been like explained to me. Now, the acting in it is phenomenal and it's like a smart script and everything. But at the same time, it's just people sitting around and having meetings and talking. <laughs> for the whole film like for a movie about basketball there's zero basketball yeah
0: it's kind of uh, it's really based around an agent Yes, um and i I think there's an opening scene between a player and the and the agent who's the who's the lead in this Mm. and it's just a really smart scene and the dialogue and stuff zips along and and there's just really nice setups throughout Mm -hmm. um i liked it a lot but i don't know if i quite understood it yeah, you know, and I wanted to, but so many of the references just zipped over my head mm-hmm. uh, that I, I found I found it quite difficult to follow. But I, I think that's dead on. I think that's yeah. fair because that's something like ninety eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which is, yeah. you know, for yeah, any for huge, any movie yeah, yeah. is 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 kind of nuts. And I think Soderbergh's gonna. I think he's gonna find his home there on yeah. the streaming services more so uh, than theatrically because he's had some big hits theatrically and yeah. um, you know Aaron Brockovich Traffic you know he's won an Oscar at uh, The Oceans the movies Ocean's as well movies, yeah. but he's always a director who's taking risks yeah. and something like Netflix or Hulu or Amazon or whoever it is yeah. they don't need your movies they don't need to put bums on seats per se they just mm. need it to be well reviewed really yeah. similar to HBO yeah
3: like I really would have loved to see because this is actually the second movie he's shot on an iPhone the first being Unsane with Claire Foy I really would have loved to see that movie like do better because I think that he was very good at kind of using the actual format and the way he was shooting the film as kind of reflective of the themes and the genre that was going on in terms of it being like a psychological horror and he used some like really experimental like lenses and shots and stuff that really kind of added to the movie yeah. so it's such a shame that that movie ended up kind of being swept under the carpet and not a lot of people heard about it and not a lot of people went to it um, whereas this film doesn't really have as big names now Zazie Beats is in it as well yeah. who was in Deadpool 2 who is amazing yeah first so much She's watch, great um, in it as well. Yeah, She's exactly. a star, you can tell. Yeah. But, I mean, it doesn't have that to sell it, but it does have the fact that it's on the Netflix platform. And another bit I did like in High Flying Bird, and this kind of comes in the third act, is when it gets kind of meta, and it's talking about how the future of sports consumption, if that ends up being kind of brought um, through Netflix, then we could see, you know, even like watching sports could change in the future. Yeah, because they talk talk about that
0: in in the movie where uh, it's super smart. They're kind of like, I never thought about that. Yeah. Netflix doesn't live stream. Mm Mm-hmm you know, like obviously it's a, you know, it's a streaming service, but it doesn't live stream. And I thought that was fat. I was like, I never, that never occurred to me that if Netflix decides to do sports stuff, Everybody is screwed. Everybody else is screwed.
3: Yeah, it's crazy. It's it's scary to think of the amount of power it has. And I love that Soderbergh was kind. of, Well, I suppose you wouldn't say brave enough, but the fact that he kind of integrated that into a movie that is available yeah. on Netflix is yeah. kind of bonkers. You know?
0: Uh, I think he's a phenomenal filmmaker. He's made some great movies, and uh, I'd, like I just like to see him find his home because he talked about retiring and stuff mm. a few years ago. Yeah. But again, made in an iPhone. Like, it's it just, and it looks great. Yeah, You know, somebody would have made those experimental movies on like Canon XL1s or whatever years ago. Yeah. And you could kind of tell they look kind of studenty yeah. and grainy. Whereas like, this is literally, it's, I just think it's inspiring to people out there who want to go and make movies or, you know, feel like they have a movie in them and just don't quite know how to get there.
3: Yeah, that's true. And I think that he is really kind of, you know, propelling that idea forward. Yeah. I and what's another thing I liked about High Flying Bird? It's only an hour and a half. So it's nice and port. Sp- <laughs>
0: Spoken like a true critic. You're like, I just want to get in there. I have things get to out. do. Yes. I want to see the movie and then go. Producer Dave, when you have an internet connection, will you
2: watch this? Yeah, why not? I'll do it in the office there today. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> Look where your head's at. Uh, okay, moving on. Uh, surprisingly well-reviewed uh, mm. movie that's also done quite well at the box office. And God knows Mark Wahlberg needed it, the <laughs> Uh, he's had a few bonds uh, in a row.
3: Yeah, but he's making so much money anyway. Yeah. He doesn't really he's, need He's it. making a <laughs> <that> vitamin
0: <laughs> water money, Mark Wahlberg. Um, get up at half four in the morning, working out and just being loaded. Generally, that's Why what Mark Wahlberg yeah. does. Uh, this is Roseborn as well. This is Instant Family, which is based on a true story. And you really dug this one.
3: It was really, really sweet. Yeah, so it's about um, this couple who decides to um, foster uh, kids. And they pick these like three siblings who kind of come as like package deal as opposed to just the one Um, so it's a teenager and her little um, brother and sister and it's just it's just a really sweet movie so this film would have been directed um, by Sean Anders, who's done films like That's My Boy and We're the Millers and the Daddy's Home movies so they're kind of like comedy, but they're like kind of slightly gross out comedy. And I always felt that with those films, they always felt slightly off the mark. There was something just not fully clicking with them. Although I still immensely enjoyed them, especially um, Daddy's Home and Daddy's Home 2. They are a lot of fun, but there's just there's something like not there. Whereas this film, I felt that what Sean Anders did kind of actively decide to do and it worked out in the long term was instead of focusing on the comedy, he focused on like imbuing it with heart and just focusing on the family. And the family is like this place of healing because like you're learning about these foster kids and they're really coming from these broken homes and you learn about like drug and sex abuse and all of this you know so that's quite heavy stuff. from what you would yeah, expect yeah exactly from trailer. what you expect um, but he always brings it back to kind of the family and the home as like this place of like healing and love you know as opposed to like their kind of backgrounds and everything and I think focusing on the heart rather than the comedy and then the comedy just coming from kind of the natural family situations like kids throwing tantrums at the most inopportune moment and like you know accidents happening in the house and stuff like that the comedy kind of comes naturally from there and it's something that's relatable and it doesn't feel forced and it ends up being like a really good solid movie overall as were, you, were,
0: were you not expecting to like it as much as you did
3: well I mean I had heard that stateside it was doing well and that it was getting good reviews and that um, you know it was doing quite well in the box office so I kind of I was optimistic going into it and yeah I was happy I was very happy leaving
0: you know what Rosebourne is one of those actors that just seems to be waiting on the role mm-hmm. you know because she, she seems like an actor who could win Oscars
3: yeah she does but
0: she's never quite gotten the roles I think she probably deserves
3: yeah I would completely agree with you there and and um, she's great in this film it kind of reminded me it did remind me in fairness of her bridesmaids character which would have been kind of her breakthrough kind role and that she's slightly and, yeah. Yeah, uptight and slightly neurotic and stuff although she's always kind of played like kind of variations of that character like she was in Bad Neighbours as well wasn't yeah. that her as well Yeah, so like you said I agree that she isn't giving kind of the meatier roles. Um, Mark Wahlberg in this movie they're both in fairness both Mark Wahlberg and Rose Byrne make for very kind of likeable nice leads and as well in fairness to Mark Wahlberg he's really (laughs) trying in this movie and he actually seems enthusiastic about the role he's playing which is
0: lovely to see. (laughs) He's really trying put that in the poster Mark Wahlberg is really trying.
3: But he's gotten so cynical when it comes to like making movies like you could see like for example with Mile 22 which is still like the worst movie of last year (laughs) that he was totally just phoning it in he did not give a crap about yeah i
0: think he's probably making too many movies yeah he has a few coming out every year and it, he's obviously a very successful businessman as well mm. and producer. And I think it's just a job to him. Yeah. And that's probably what, I mean, I don't know that for certain. He hasn't yeah. told me what it feels like.
3: Other interesting connection in it, um, Isabel Moner, who plays the uh, teenager who they foster in this film, she was previously with Mark Wahlberg in The Last Night. She played like the little girl. I don't know if you remember, but now she's grown up and she's a that's teenager. The, was
0: that the four Transformers movie? That
3: was the fifth.
0: The fifth Transformers movie. <laughs> the
3: one without Jack Raider
0: yeah. in it.
2: <laughs> Oof. Any interest in that one, Producer Dave? No. Not particularly. No, the no. Transformers ones never really grabbed me.
0: No, Instant Family. Would you go and see that? Sounds, you're, you're kind of a sweet guy, Dave. It sounds like something you might watch.
2: That's very kind of you to say. Don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I would consider watching it. It's one of those things that... I was actually chatting to a couple of people in the office about it this week. I'd be like, would you see it? And they were like, yeah, I'd probably go see if it was on, it was on like in the gaff or something, but yeah. wouldn't yeah. pay any money. To go see it, kind of yeah. thing. Like. I
0: think that's a massive issue in general with, with cinemas mm-hmm. now. It's that yeah. there's so many, there's so few movies that can get people. To, to a cinema to yeah. pay to
3: see it well I think that the thing about and it's really weird that it's happening this week of all weeks given it's like Valentine's week but it's really interesting that we have like two basically kid oriented family friendly movies come out and I think that those movies do tend to do slightly better in the box office because you have parents bringing their kids to see midterms it midterms and stuff are kicking yeah. in now as well and what's good as well is um, so I mentioned there about like how Instant Family does kind of tap into those darker issues but they never actually kind of show any of that yeah. stuff they more kind of mention it Or imply it, and it has a 12A rating. So you'll still have parents be able to kind of bring their kids. Maybe yeah. not like very very young kids, but like slightly older in the kind of eight plus bracket. You that know what this you, know, going to you
0: know what this Valentine's Day is missing cinematically? A Fifty Shades movie. There's been one every year for the past I was three just years. Just
3: thinking. Yeah, yeah. And even like I think now for us, I think if Beale Street Could Talk was released last year, but I think in the UK or somewhere, because I did see. Um, if Beale Street Could Talk being um, advertised as released on Valentine's Day. So they're obviously doing that in like some territories. But yeah. like, that's a heavy movie to yeah. go see on Valentine's Day. Like Fifty Shades, you'd almost like go with your gal pals yeah. for the laugh, you know, for Valentine's gal- Day Valentine's Day the Day, yeah. before
0: Valentine's Day. Yes. Those movies are hilarious. Have you ever seen any of them?
2: Seen what? The Fifty the Shades Shade movies? No, I haven't seen they're, any of them. They're
0: genuinely hilarious. They're so Have you ever seen any of them, Charlie? The first one. The first one. See, the first one they tried. They can't try. Like, they actually tried to make a decent movie and it just was, like, it did. So you're like, oh, I can see them. And then the other two, they were like, nah, let's just... Jamie Dornan was just getting through it. Dakota Johnson was just getting through it. Phoning it in. Phoning it in. (laughs) Um, Okay, that's it for this week. Uh, Dee, thanks a lot for joining us. See you next week.
2: Entertainment.ie
1: I love the way you say film.